Hello and welcome to Pumped, the Inside Podcast by Schwalbe. I'm your host Tobias Vaughan and I'm talking here with Schwalbe athletes from different disciplines. From downhill to cross country or from road riding to triathlon. And today I'm talking to Markus Stitz. A couple of years ago he cycled with his single speed bike around the world. Since then he did a lot of bikepacking adventures in the exotic countries around the world. In 2020, he decided to go back to his roots and cycle along the old German border, the Green Belt. What he experienced on that trip, you will find out in this episode of Pumped. Hey, Markus. Thanks a lot to, for taking the time to do the podcast with us. Where are you right now? I'm in my flat in Edinburgh, looking at a really nice blue sky outside, <laughs> which happens happens quite a lot in the morning. Um, but we normally get clouds in the afternoon. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, beautiful blue, day. I would say blue blue sky in Edinburgh is not that common, huh? Uh, actually, the weather is not too bad in Scotland, especially like in the morning, it's normally quite nice. That's why I kind of taught myself to be an early riser, because mornings <laughs> are normally super, especially in winter. Um, yeah. if, you, if you get rain, it's normally in the afternoon. But we had loads of snow the last couple of days, so it's very unusual for Scotland at the moment, the weather here. <laughs> <laughs> so how cold is it uh, at your place at the moment? Um, so inside it's, I don't know, 22 degrees or whatever the room temperature is. <laughs> and outside? Uh, out, um, well, outside, I think I had a look, I think it's it's between minus two and minus three, but it was much colder last night, actually. I was I was cycling um, um, after the sunset um, and I cycled home and there were like stretches on the road where it was pretty icy um, and cold. So I think the lowest we had in Scotland um on wednesday night was minus 22 or something so Whoa. yeah it was pretty it was pretty chilly but it never gets that cold in edinburgh like it's yeah. it's yeah um it's not too bad here so um yeah you're you've been living in in the uk for quite a while now um how did you get there oh it's a it's a bit of a long story actually um i um I had I was an exchange student in England in Northumberland, uh, and for half a year, and I was in Sunderland um, near Newcastle, and then went up to Edinburgh quite a few times while I was at university there, mm -hmm. and really loved the city. And then I went back um, and did an internship in New York in 2005, and had about a month to spare afterwards, and thought like, oh, it's a good opportunity to go back to Edinburgh. Um, and try to find a job there just for the summer um, and that's what I did and then I ended up coming back here <laughs> pretty much every summer since then and then I had a two-year stint living in New Zealand and then left New Zealand after two years because I wanted to be a bit closer to my family again and then decided um, well I had a decision between uh, Germany and Scotland and decided for Scotland because um, I think for a number of reasons, I had a job over here, so it was pretty easy to get something. And yeah, just just love the city and like the surroundings. There's some some lovely mountains, um, a bit of sea as well. So just the whole setting of the city was was pretty fascinating. And yeah, I've stayed ever since. 
Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I understand you because Scotland for me is really one of my favorite places to go and Edinburgh is um yeah, just an amazing city. So, um yeah, you're you're lucky you're living on the on the great place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a, I think it's a, it's a small it's a smallish place, but it feels bigger. Like I think it's pretty pretty open-minded, um but it's it's not a big city actually. You can get across it quite easily by bike walking is a little bit more difficult but yeah nice yeah. place <laughs> definitely so you're original from from germany you grew up in um in the eastern part of germany and that's yeah. where you started to cycling right how did you get into cycling um i think possibly quite unconventional as well so i so I learned cycling um, pretty late because uh, I was always a bit, yeah, I wasn't the most sporty of children. Like I was always quite, quite happy to play inside. And I mean, I love being outside as well, but like, sport was never my favorite subject. So I learned on my mum's bike when I was, I think it was when I was six or seven years old, but I'm not entirely sure what age. And mm -hmm. then I just did cycling as I think every child in Germany rides bicycles I think that's quite a common thing and then I really got into like a bit more I just I don't want to call it serious cycling <laughs> cycling cycling is not about being serious at all actually it's it's you know mostly about having a good time um, but I I did a um, I studied at the University of Ilmenau in the Thuringian Forest and that's a lovely amazing area for mountain biking mm -hmm. and so finally just got my head around look I'm living in this amazing place here there's so much opportunity I literally could jump on my bike um, I was on the outskirts of town in a in a shared flat and I could just go out in the forest and ride my bike on some amazing trails and I thought like I might as well do that um, for the five years I'm here or however long it takes to study and yeah and <clears throat> when I did that I've you know I think I've, I've I think I'm in in some aspects quite an addictive personality so if I do something um, <laughs> I want to do it I want to do it properly like as a yeah. child for example to give you some example I had a stamp collection and I think it must have been a right pain for my parents because like I you know I was always wanting to get new stamps and stuff like this then for a while um, I worked as DJ so I collected records and CDs and then finally got into cycling I, although I, I'm not you know I'm not the sort of cyclist who collects bikes just for the sake of it but once I start something I want to do it properly and that's what I did and then yeah slowly but surely got into mountain biking did some longer distance rides as well and then when I moved to New Zealand um, I really picked up the cycle touring buck and then combined cycle touring with off-road riding and eventually ended up in bikepacking and gravel riding but yeah like yeah it was I think my PE teacher would be highly surprised if he would see me <laughs> nowadays someone who is just trying to skip every PE lesson at school whenever possible um, but I was always like even as a child I was always good at endurance stuff so I loved like when at school when we had to run like um, a kilometer or three kilometers I was okay with that um, I just didn't like the short-term sprinting stuff whatsoever it just wasn't just not built for this I think um, so yeah um, yeah this is how I got into cycling um, kind of but I you know not from a from a club cycling background for example like I was never really 
you know any competitive um, as a child getting into it for me it was always about like more modes of transport rather than anything else yeah nice so from the woods in Turinger to the streets around the world or the gravel roads around the world um, mm -hmm. now to Edinburgh how is the cycling today for you when when you pick up your bike and go um, yeah go riding on your on your home trails or on your on your home routes how does it look like I think it's, it, it, it has changed quite significantly over the years. Um, what it looks like now is, um, as I mentioned before, and for me it's mainly about um, having fun doing something which is good for me um, and inspires <laughs> other people. Um, I, you know, I, I used to, um, I went from um, kind of cycle touring and then into ultra endurance for a while um, meaning that I wrote like the longest I've ridden in a day was 424 kilometers which is quite a distance yeah. um, and then <clears throat> and I still love doing those things so I'm still racing I'm still doing things like the Silk Road mountain race or the Atlas mountain race um, but I'm also now working on developing new cycling routes and just literally I think the, the most important thing for me is to encourage other people to to cycle. I think mm -hmm. that's that's quite important with whatever I'm doing. Um, but also at the same time, for me, I, I still love cycling. I've never I've never really lost the cycling book. There, there, there's obviously times sometimes where you lose your mojo a little bit, and I think that's totally normal. That's like with any other activity. I think you can't do things like full guns blazing all the time then yeah. really need to be times where you kind of like dip down a little bit and then actually in those times we discover how how much fun it really is like and then it was just like and and to give you an example for example yesterday i was out riding my bike in the snow which doesn't happen often that that often over here we had an amazing winter so far <clears throat> and you know there were there were stretches in there where I had to push my bike um, there were stretches in there which were just amazing to ride um, and there were bits in there where I thought like well I have to do this to get to another cool place <laughs> to ride so um, I think that's kind of what my cycling looks like and yeah and yeah it's it's I think it's very different from 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 the ultra endurance days where I was just head down and go to from A to B in the quickest possible way. Although I always had a I think a reputation for being the one that actually stops for pictures and you know ending up after after a race like the Highland Trail 550 with a camera full of pictures and people were like how how why why would you do this and I was just because I'm you know I'm out here in an amazing landscape. You know, why would I not stop every now and then and just take in the scenery? <laughs> in 2015, you rode on a single trail bike around the world. How did you <coughs> get the idea to ride around the world and why on a single speed? So the single speed comes back from my days when I lived in Wellington. I, was, um, I had quite a few friends in Wellington in New Zealand who back then were careers or working in bike shops and that was the day that was the time when single speed was kind of becoming fashionable again in a sense mm -hmm. and i never really had the guts to get a single speed bike um, when i was in new zealand because wellington is really really hilly and then i moved back here and what i really missed was the time over christmas i had in new zealand for two years 
um, where I could just go ride my bike and have a cycling trip over Christmas. Um, mm -hmm. So when I moved back here at my first Christmas, just sitting sitting around doing nothing, and I thought that's that's not what I want to do. This is this is not what I am. And the second year, I thought like I'm gonna cycle home from Edinburgh to Germany for Christmas, and you know do this do this regardless. And the next thought was like, how am I gonna do this with like a bike where loads of things couldn't potentially go wrong, derailleurs and etc. etc. So I thought like I'm gonna this is a good time to get a single speed bike now. Keep it as keep it as simple as possible um, <laughs> and make 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 sure that it's not a bike which is it which is um the failure on the trip um you know if if it all fails it will be you and not the bike so i bought a single speed bike i'd never ridden it beforehand um it was quite tough at the beginning because you obviously got no choice and you really have to have the legs to get up the hill yeah um but i did this trip cycled home for 14 days absolutely loved it by the time i was home i also got used to single speed riding and then i just continued riding a single speed and i always had this idea of um, riding around the world since I actually um, was on the plane to New Zealand because I read a book by um, a guy called Tim Molliner mm -hmm. who cycled all the way from London to Christchurch and really really nice book um, super interesting account of his trip yeah basically around the world um, although he just went basically in one direction so he didn't do a whole loop And I thought, like, this sounds pretty cool. You know, I think at some stage in my life, I'd quite like to take <laughs> take a year off and, and yeah, do something with it and, you know, see a bit more of the world. And, um, yeah, when I had the opportunity to do that after, after um, well, I had a contract which was due to expire um, for work and then I got renewed. And I thought, like, why? Right, this is a good time now to to kind of really make a break, um, take a year off, take a bike, and cycle around the world. And that was it's possibly as simple as that. And then I thought, like, I've ridden a single speed bike for five years now. Um, it's been great. I could cope with it. It's such an easy bike to ride because you don't really have to care about um, any mechanical things. It just It's, yeah. yeah, it's like you it can just, just dump it in the corner <laughs> and yeah, it just runs. And, and I thought like, right, if I'm doing a round the world trip, the last thing I want to care about is my bike. Um, you know, I want to want to have a year of meeting new people and um, experiencing new countries and going to different climate zones. And yeah, I thought like having a single speed bike makes this just all much easier and much more enjoyable. And so, yeah, I went, went to 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 get a bike for this um made it single speed and set off around the world in september <laughs> so riding around the world is, is quite a mission after that you did a couple of different bikepacking trips and last year mm -hmm. um you went back to your childhood and cycled the the green belt so the old mm -hmm. um former german border why do you decide to do this route so again, it's one of those things I had in my mind for, I think, a number of years because I grew up very, very close to the um, former border. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up in the Eichsfeld, which was one of those regions in Germany that was divided um, into East and West Germany, basically. And so all of this was very, um, very close to my own um, life, to, you know, to whatever you want to call it my life history whatsoever and 
Um, my dad died in 2015 when I was on the round the world trip and he was always very um, interested in the history. Um, he was, um, he got to see a lot of the region because even in East German times he was allowed to travel because he was fixing people's televisions. So mm -hmm. um, from all of that I had a very close relationship with that chapter in, in German history and I also think it's utterly fascinating um, and I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned as well from that um, for um, some of the situations we are in right now because um, it is about it like the whole the whole thing for me is people peacefully um, taking down this border and reuniting a country and I've I think it's such a it's it's such a positive story um, yeah and, and I, but I sometimes sometimes think I think in Germany it's possibly it's possibly it's kind of vanishing a little bit and you know if it, and, and and for me it was kind of like so basically 30 years <laughs> after I thought like this is a this is a great opportunity um, I've matured as a person. Um, I've got different views on on some of the things right now as well because I can look at things with much more distance living in Scotland now. And and it was also um, you know last year with all the travel restrictions, I I I was pretty sure I can't go anywhere exotic in the world, and I had absolutely no intention to do so. Um, so I thought like this is a great time to actually spend a bit more time in Germany again, um, spend a bit more time with my family, um, and at the same time using my own personal story yeah. to, to, in a sense, this sounds really marketing speech and I wouldn't want to be that way, but, you know, to kind of promote Germany as a destination for other people to come, you know, I think, I, I think generally speaking, for me, it's a wonderful country to travel. Um, I definitely, have some yeah. fantastic experiences, um, but it's definitely not the country that would pop up on the top 10 lists where people are thinking about mountain biking or gravel riding or cycle touring or bikepacking. So I thought like, look, I've, I, I've I've made my living from promoting destinations for bikepacking and gravel riding, um, and this is where I grew up. So I might as well use those skills in order to to, to do exactly that. And yeah, it was it was amazing. I had an I had an amazing <laughs> adventure, and I was also quite keen. Uh, my background, <clears throat> I haven't spoken about that yet, but um, I I do plan long distance bikepacking routes now, predominantly in Scotland, um, and. So the good thing about that route is I had quite a bit of no local knowledge as well. I've been yeah. riding my bike in that area for quite a while. So I felt like I'm going to use the um, Queen Belt um, and the Eurovelo 13 um, as a blueprint. But I want to kind of design a route which takes in my local knowledge, uh, my local, not lo local knowledge, that's a tricky word, um, <laughs> at the same time. And so, yeah, and, and so I designed the route and, and rode it and it was, it was, it was fascinating. It was a, it was a proper adventure. <laughs> so the, the original route of the, of the green belt or of the German border, it consists on a large, uh, large extent on these, yeah, tank plates with holes in it. And I've, I've ridden yeah. a, a couple of uh, case on these uh, tank plates come on <laughs> and yeah. um it's super hard to ride it so how did you rode it for so many kilometers yeah so this is there was one of the reasons why i kind of well, well I, i did design my own route um which was 
trying to avoid the Cologne Lake um, as much as possible. Um, it's fine to ride on a bike, so it's not it's not not non rideable. I wouldn't uh, you I wouldn't describe it as as pleasure. You know, it's like <laughs> it would, I, I had to leave stretches of it in which were either really. Um, significant in terms of history so an example for that for example is point alpha um where the you, you basically cycle through the museum and and i think not going through there would not you know i, I think it's one of those places that i would highly recommend to other people to to yeah. go there just to see the the sheer scale of of um a what the fortifications were like but also I love the story of the Americans and the Russians facing each other with about 50 meters apart for decades. And, you know, it was just like the history. So um, I try to avoid the Kolonvik as much as possible. Sometimes, and, and I think this is the interesting thing as well, because it is, um, some of the old border is um, the historic Prussian border as well. So um, there are actually quite a lot of gravel tracks or forest tracks or whatever you want to call them, double tracks, mm -hmm. which are really nice to cycle on, um, that almost run parallel to the border. Um, so I I used those as much as possible. And, and I was also really keen not to just to cycle on the former border on the Queen Belt, because I think you you are quite remote and one part of the route I've designed is about like dipping into those villages along the border, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like there's some, there's some, there's some great places there as well. And for me as a child, having grown up in East Germany, um, I think we were brought up with this perception is that, you know, we are somehow different <laughs> and, and it was, it was interesting. So if you don't have the knowledge where you are, if that used to be West or East Germany, I honestly think you would not recognize where you are. Like, I think in, in some areas it's recognizable because they have different shape um, church towers um, because they're either Catholic or Protestant. So, you know, if yeah. you're into all of those details, you will get a good notion where you are. If you're not, um, I don't think you can recognize it any longer. And I think this is, for me, again, um, I'm... 41 now no 42 actually oh dear um, <laughs> um uh, and you know i think I've, i'm 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 one of those generations that has been growing up um up until 10 i was 10 years old um in a country divided and then mm -hmm. in the united germany and and i think for like for me go, doing this trip is it was really really nice to see that there isn't not really much there any longer that divides one part of the country from the other one yeah. and i think that's that's possibly not um what you um get to experience if you just stick on the queen belt it's amazing landscape it's amazing nature but i think it it, it does help to go a little bit off the track every now and then and just kind of like yeah focus on some of the details as well which are which are not directly on the route and yeah amazing experience it's just Great. kind of like and and it's um like the colonic back to that topic so i was on a um i was on a gravel bike um and i think this route is you know if you're on the fat bike with 4.8 inch tires um you'll possibly be cruising along those um, um plates those concrete plates 
Um, on the mountain bike, I think it's still enjoyable. If you're on a gravel bike, not so much. You really need to know how to ride and you really need to pick your line over this. Um, and I think it's also, it's one of those routes, if you just ride on those plates, you really need to have a tubeless setup because otherwise you'll be fixing punctures left, right and center. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, parts of it are fine. Um, but yeah, whenever I could, I try to avoid it. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a like a great adventure. Is there one thing that stuck with you from this from this trip? One special moment or one feeling or something? Yes, um, I mean there was one pretty sketchy episode in there as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> And also subsequently of taking that bit out of the route actually, because there was, it was, you know, it was possibly something that would make or break people's adventure. Um, I think there was this one, one, um, so I had this, I was going to a forest and there were loads and loads of wild boreholes in there. And mm -hmm. um, it was utterly steep as well. So I was pushing my bike up this super steep hill And then I was looking at the downhill and it was even steeper. And that on a gravel bike was just not rideable at all. <laughs> so I was in this dark forest by myself. Um, I think the furthest away I have been from a village on that route, um, which was basically maybe 10 kilometers or so, you know, nothing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing remote in, in, from, from what the stuff I've been, I mean, I've been riding in, in the mountains in Kyrgyzstan or across the desert in Australia. So yeah. if you put that in perspective, it was not, you know, not anywhere of that scale, but it was, it was quite sketchy. And I think I was quite happy that I was the kind of, kind of close to um, a town after two and a half hours and actually made the supermarket um, with five minutes to, to spare until it closed. Um, <laughs> But I think, like, on the positive note, I think there was this very one moment where I was sitting in a bird shelter, listening to the birds, um, like, had rolled out my sleeping bag, was just having a nice tea with fresh ginger. And I was just looking at this amazing starlit sky and listening to those birds. And I thought, like, this is, this is, this is amazing. Like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in one of the most populated countries in Europe and you still have those places where you can literally just sit by yourself. There's no one around. Uh, I had a great day on the bike that day and I can just enjoy, you know, the bird song around here. And that was, yeah, it was super special. And there were kind of a, quite a few moments like this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that particular night was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. So bikepacking in particular, um, or in general, becoming more and more popular and a lot of people um, want to try it. What would you recommend to people who want to try to go on the bikepacking trip the, f the first time? How do you start? <laughs> that's, that's an interesting one. Um, I, I think with, as with everything I'm doing, um, try to try to have a positive attitude to it and make it fun. And, mm -hmm. and I think it really, it really, it really depends on where your starting point is. So if you are a novice cyclist who has just learned to cycle um, and is possibly not too confident with your own company, then then just do a very short trip. You know, you can like as I as I was describing, like the one um, night on the Ivan Curtin gravel trail. 
you can you can just find places which are very close to home which don't put you in any sort of danger or a negative mindset for mm -hmm. failure um and so twice twice wall i think is is my basic advice um in terms of equipment i think um any bike will do like i don't think bikepacking requires a certain bike i think you can you can i've i've been i've been riding a 1970s single speed um and i've been riding a um i think the only bike i haven't used for bikepacking is a full sus mountain bike um, but any other bike kind of um has done the job in yeah. the meantime um <clears throat> and i think if you don't like i think one ingredient which is quite essential is having good bags because they'll keep your stuff dry um they also allow you to have a really nice riding experience because they don't dangle around on your saddle or on your handlebars or whatsoever um but I, yeah i think you don't really need if you if you only want to try it for the first time and i think this the question also is what is bike packing i think for me bike packing is strapping your luggage on on your bike without any pannier racks and and going wherever you want to go it's possibly yeah as as generic as a definition i could find I'm, i'm pretty sure there will people there will be people who've got a very defined opinion about what is not bikepacking what is not i really don't care to be honest with you um because i think in the end of the day it's all cycling as well so you know it's just i think pitching holding things too much i don't think is is helpful in that discussion but strap you know i think if you don't have any bags possibly you'll have someone you know who will possibly be happy to lend you some and give you an opportunity to try them um you know buying them will set you off by quite a bit of money to begin yeah. with so i'm not sure you know if you if you if you do it once and then decide this is not for me not sure if that's the right thing um so you know just i think generally speaking go out with whatever you have in your cupboard <laughs> or whatever you can borrow from someone and give it a go i'm yet to hear anyone who didn't have a good time you know i have i have not met a single person so far who's tried it and said oh this was rubbish i'm not going to do this again yeah. i think it's very much the opposite of people people not really um i think i think the fear for a lot of people is that they are not comfortable with the fact that they're by themselves somewhere outside out of their um, known environment and I think what you discover is exactly the opposite that it's actually once you're out there and once you get used to the fact that um you've done it um you can have such an amazing time like I mm -hmm. you know I had the best moments in my life um sleeping in a tent somewhere in the middle of nowhere or in a bivy bag or I don't know under the stars you know if it's a warm night then you don't even need a sleeping bag sometimes yeah <clears throat> so yeah try try small um Once you've done one trip, just up, like gradually go further, do more things, um, and also, I think what is exp what 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 is really important for bikepacking is to know your own comfort zone and know your own limits really well. Um, but this is something you won't experience on your first bikepacking trip ever. It's like with you know if you if you do any form of cycling. 
the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more fun it is in the end. You know, I think if you go mountain biking and, and, and you've never been on a mountain bike, it's possibly quite a scary and quite annoying thing at times as well when you come off and you possibly hurt yourself and you go like, why am I doing this? Um, I think if you've been on a mountain bike for for a year or two and you've been riding and, you, you know, you, you can ride more things, then it becomes much more fun and, and, and much more rewarding as well. So, yeah. And take that same attitude to 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 bikepacking, and I think it will be fun. And what are the three things you really should have on a bikepacking trip, or you won't leave without it? We oui. <laughs> three <laughs> things. Um, <clears throat> I think I think some sort of emergency device is is really important. Just I think for both for, for two things for peace of mind and also being able to get yourself out of a place if you really need to. Um, you know, I think mobile phone or satellite tracker is important mm -hmm. for me. Um, just like just for confidence, I feel like if I know I've got a backup. I ride much better and I've got much more fun. Don't have to focus on every time focusing on what could go wrong and what, whatever. Yeah. So that's important. Um, what else? Um, I normally don't leave without my um, Opinel knife as well because it's uh -huh. quite a handy tool to to either fix things or to buy some stuff and make your own dinner. So that's quite important as well. And um, the other thing is also... Um, It's possibly not to bikepacking specifically, but um, um, having the right tools to fix your bike, you know, just just like basic things like a pump, spare tube, um, and those sort of things. So, you know, something that will allow you to fix your bike and get from, from a very remote place to a not so remote place. Or I think the other thing which is important is a camera as well. It's just to kind <laughs> of, you know, sometimes capturing those moments as well. Um, but also... You know, don't try to, to, I think for me, bikepacking is a perfect thing <clears throat> to put my, to put my phone on airplane mode and really kind of zone out and say like, this is, this is me gone for the moment. Yeah. Um, whatever phone call will not be important at the moment because I really try to enjoy the moment. Um, when I'm back, I can happily deal with those phone calls. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's a tricky thing kind of, you know, I think it's, it's it's very what it certainly won't be is a dangling muck on my on my thing because that would drive me nuts um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to like whenever i pack i try to pack as neatly as possible so there's no noise on the bike because that's yeah. something it's possibly quite a personal thing but i like if i've got noise of some shape or form that's just something that is is not nice i think i can deal with that for five minutes um, yeah. but no longer than that but i totally agree i mean noise on the bikes are super annoying especially when you're riding yeah. for for days or months um 2020 was a really weird year and uh, nothing went as planned do you have any plans for for the future so any trips in mind what you want to do in 2021 or even later uh yeah i've got plans um 
Um, I think if that's happening this year, I'm a bit doubtful about that, to be honest with you. So my plans this year are for Scotland more than anywhere else, because this is where I am and I'm confident um, that there will be some sort of travel happening soonish here. Um, so um, in Scotland this year, I'm working on a new project developing um, cycling routes in the Catherine Echo Museum mm-hmm. and also working... Um, so. One aspect of my work is, um, for me, is cycling is such a sustainable mode of transport that I really want to push that when it comes to traveling as well. I think um, really trying to reduce my own carbon footprint. But I also kind of, <clears throat> I was always trying to tell a positive story about climate change. And that project is a great opportunity to do so. Um, so the idea behind it is it's a it's a museum without walls um you can you can cycle in a museum basically that's Mm -hmm. kind of the idea behind it there's like standing stones and there's old settlements and loads of things actually that um that show the past um and that actually encourage us to think about the future as well so you know i think i always try to kind of see so what impact do i have on the world right now and you know what about the generations to come that mm-hmm. kind of have to deal with that. Um, so um, part of that will be a new film. And yeah, like if you want to put it in a nutshell, I really want to tell a positive story about climate change. So climate change in itself is not positive, but I think I, I often sometimes think the way we talk about it um, doesn't doesn't promote it. You know, we, we always talk about that we have to reduce ourselves and we cannot do certain things. And the idea behind that project is to kind of say, yeah, if you're reducing yourself, this is actually a positive thing. Like it kind of ties Mm -hmm. in quite well with the bikepacking narrative. You kind of have to take very few things and you need to make the most out of them. Um, So that's one project. Um, It's very close to home. Um, It's definitely going to happen, hopefully, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, I'd also quite like to go back to Germany to do a bit more stuff over there. But at the moment, I'm not too sure how, how... how how I'm able to do this because at the moment I can't basically I can't travel because yeah. if I if I travel right now um, um, I have to put myself in a hotel quarantine um, and I'm just not willing to do that so you know yeah. I get the message I'm happy to stay here for the time being until it's fine to do that um, I had there's a couple of other projects that I've got on my head um, on my mind um, I definitely want to do some cold weather cycling. Um, whether that be in the Arctic or somewhere else. I love cycling in the snow. Um, I like frosty landscapes and I also like having limited daylight. So putting all of that in a future trip would be fantastic. Uh, It's something I was wanting to do um, for quite a while now, but yeah, the timing never really fitted quite well. So this is maybe something that might happen in 2022 Mm -hmm. with a bit of planning time. Um, and also um, a continent I haven't explored so far, and this is, I think, not going to be possible this year, but hopefully in future years, is Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I was planning to do a trip to Malawi last year because um, um, I was working with the Scotland Malawi partnership in a job I had beforehand. So, and yeah, just just like I think it's one of those continents I haven't explored other than being in Morocco for a race, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I think like just just looking at the country from a very outsider's perspective for the moment, I think it looks like a fascinating place. And 
yeah so those are some ideas um but yeah not sure um, I, I think one thing that has been sticking in my in my conscience since last year is that i think planning <clears throat> at the moment is just totally totally yeah. um impossible you know and i think it's it's about setting expectations and i don't want to set myself up for we one thing i love about trips um, and i think that's the one thing i'm missing at the moment as well like you know that anticipation when you have an idea and then you develop the idea and then you make it happen and mm -hmm. I, i think that's the most interesting phase going out on a trip itself is amazing as well but i you know the preparation is sometimes even more fascinating mm -hmm. um and And I think at the moment that is just not viable. You know, I think if you do that and you kind of go, oh, I'd really like to do this. And then you kind of go like, well, I can't do this because it's just simply not possible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to keep things um, quite local at the moment. There's a few other projects I'm looking to do in, in Scotland as well. I've got some lovely material I've shot last year on the west coast of Scotland. So I'm hoping to do something with that. And I've also got some pictures and um, a lot of video material from a trip in Patagonia. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd love to. I still haven't had the chance, the time to do something with the material. So I think possibly this year is in a year, possibly a good year to catch up on things. And yeah. kind of like trying to do some of those projects I've been looking like where I basically have the material and I just just busy enough to create new stuff all the time and you kind of go like you know this is actually quite a nice year to sit back a little bit um and and another um idea i have i'd really love to do about a book about bikepacking and and gravel riding in scotland and uh, yeah i don't think there's ever been a better time to do that so that will hopefully happen as well great marcus Thanks a lot for your time to do the podcast with us, and it was was a pleasure to chatting with you about bikepacking. I mm -hmm. I wish you all the best for um, for 2021, and that all your your plans um, work out. And yeah, hopefully we we see us um, soon in Scotland. That sounds yeah, that sounds amazing. And likewise, also happy to come to Germany at some stage again if I'm allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. So, Nice bye bye. One. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.